Welcome to the Leadership Looks Like podcast. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. Sponsored by Leadership Excursion Company and recorded from The Coop, located in Summerlin, Las Vegas. Join us as we explore personal stories of leaders who are making incredible impacts in their businesses, lives, and communities. Get ready to be inspired, see things from a new perspective, and learn new tools to help overcome challenges. This is what leadership looks like. Danny Bald is a realtor and moved to Las Vegas during the economic downturn. In this episode, she shares how she found success during such a challenging time by tapping into her passions and learning how to set herself apart. There are countless gems in our conversation about entrepreneurship, the importance of branding, and women empowerment. Enjoy. Danny Bald, thank you so much for coming in today and being yeah. on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. I'm so happy you're here. And uh, you have some amazing things going on here in Las Vegas, and we're going to hear all about that today. Now, um, 2008, you grew up in Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So 2008, you decided to pick up, move to Las Vegas, which is a huge deal. Huge deal. Also, what was happening in 2008? Um, 2008 is when I met my now husband, or actually, I guess I would have met him. So I met him 2008. I think I officially moved out here 2009. So I met him. Um, He was working out here doing real estate, and I was working for the same company out of L.A. Um, We commuted back and forth for like a year and a half and then kind of decided that, um, you know, we could either pay $4,000 $4,000 a month rent for a 100-square-foot condo in L.A. Yeah. or move out here. Um, so I decided to make the move. I packed up my car with everything I had, which was literally a car's worth. Um, I had a pet rat at the time. So I threw my pet rat in the car and drove out here. Kind of, I think when I moved out here, I always had in the back of my mind that it would be okay to go back home. So I don't think I ever thought about actually raising children out here or establishing myself out here. So to move out here and now to look back on that and you know having two kids and having a career out here, um, it's interesting because I think I always thought, oh, I'll come out here and then maybe convince him to move back with me. Yeah. Um, and I think now I have so many more opportunities here that I never would have had in L.A. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you moved here during a very difficult time, and as you mentioned, you were a real, you're a realtor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And luckily, um, my husband's company that I also worked for at the time, they did uh, flip properties. So they bought Mm -hmm. a lot of homes at auction. So I worked kind of directly with him, I think, for the first year, at which point I decided, you know, maybe that wasn't best for us personally. So I just took my license, hung it, um, actually at the office we're now (laughs) talking out of. Um, But I started doing real estate on my own. And I think, you know, the market the market was down, but it was hot at the same time. We had so many investors and so many cool people coming into Vegas that were just, you know, wanting to fully renovate homes. And you could buy, I mean, you could buy a three bedroom, two bath house for Um, $70,000. So it was cool. It was a shock, I think, coming from LA to that. Um, And I think I got spoiled pretty quickly. (laughs) And I think that's probably why we never had the discussion about going back. Um, We found our house at auction that we now live in, which was a crazy deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, started in real estate doing that. And I think it was a good time for me to get my feet wet because as overwhelming as it was and as crazy as the market was, it was kind of a, um, you know, no holds barred, just jump right in and you either you sink or float in that kind of market. So, right. So what did you do to jump right in? Um, well, I was lucky enough 
when I worked in LA doing real estate, I worked directly for the Vegas operation. So I had already made a lot of connections with local realtors here. Um, so the first thing I did was just start going to coffee with people, lunch with all these people that I had already been talking to for a year. Okay. Um, and it's so funny cause I just ran into a woman, um, at the talk I was talking about last Thursday and she came up to me. She's like, do you know who I am? I'm like, no, who are you? She's like, so-and-so realtor. We talked like 10 years ago before you moved out here. Oh, wow. And, but it was so cool because I felt like I knew these people, but I didn't. Um, and one of the realtors that I had been dealing with when I was in LA offered to mentor me. Um, so that was really cool. She gave me a lot of her leads. And I think that was a good way for me to you know, kind of shadow her and learn the ropes. Vegas is as big as it is. It's a very small town. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in the real estate industry, I think it's, it's kind of a who you know. Um, so I was, I was quick to, to find those people and kind of establish those relationships. And luckily my husband's company, um, they were a listing only brokerage. So when the market shifted a little bit more and short sales were big, they needed buyer representation, um, which they hadn't had previously. So I kind of stepped up to the plate on that, um, which was huge for me because that was kind of a guaranteed influx of deals monthly. Right. Do you still keep in touch with the people that you initially spoke to when you came into town? Yeah. Okay, great. So you formed those relationships early on, yeah, and they really helped launch your career here in Vegas, and mm-hmm. they continue to support you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think uh, it's been interesting just some of the people that I talk to and seeing, you know, everybody's, for the majority, um, I think almost everybody's still in real estate, but just to see the transition through the different markets and what people have done, because everybody's kind of found a niche or had to reinvent themselves. And so people that I was talking to initially now own their own companies or have gone into the rental market or, you know, have four kids and are doing something totally different, but it's been really cool to see kind of the transition and to keep in touch with those people. Yeah, that is very cool. And you're so right. Vegas is such a small town. It's, you know, once you get, um, you meet a group of people and you befriend those people, they, they definitely help you. Yeah. You know, whatever you need. Yeah, so it's, it's that kind of place now create luck. Yes. Uh, so you started out, your focus was real estate only. Correct. Right. And then tell me about create luck and how that came about and the premise behind it. So create luck initially was real estate related. Um, that was my driver's license, not, not my driver's license, my license plate and my kind of slogan when I moved out here. I don't know if you've read the book, rich dad, poor dad. I haven't read that one. Okay. So one of the things he talks about is creating your own luck. Um, And so for me, that was directly attributed to real estate and kind of how I would succeed was, okay, there's, there's nothing being given to me, but I have to kind of create my own luck. And I've always been a big believer in manifesting and whatever you put out there is likely to happen if you focus on it hard enough. Um, So I moved out here with that slogan, got into real estate. And then I think probably about three years ago, I noticed once the market had stabilized a bit, there was just this overwhelming need for something different. I think the homes in Vegas are very cookie cutter. And I think we had this huge, just this huge burst of new construction homes that everything was two story. Everything was frame and stucco. Everything kind of had the same look to it. And I felt like, I don't know if it was influences coming in from other places or people moving here from different States, but I found that people were really wanting their spaces to speak to them and not look exactly like their neighbors. Um, so I started exploring that just a little bit with home staging and reaccessorizing. Um, initially it was just the design services were something I just offered to my sellers. Um, at this point I started doing enough of it that I thought, okay, well I need kind of like an umbrella. So it was create like realty design and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
started initially with home staging and reaccessorizing, and then went into full-fledged interior design, which is kind of what I'm juggling between now. Yeah. Is that something you're passionate about, or yeah. did that just organically happen with a business? I've always been passionate. Um, I'm I like I would say probably by the time I was ten, I was redoing my bedroom every six months. Mm-hmm. I've always loved <clears throat> playing around with stuff, but I also I'm big on kind of that design on a dime. Like I don't believe you have to spend a ton of money um, to create kind of a certain feeling in a space. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I wanted people to focus on was designing spaces that made you feel a certain way instead of designing something that looked a certain way. Because anybody can go through a magazine and pick out a picture and say, okay, I want to duplicate this. And that's easy enough. But for me, it's, um, you know, if you walk into a room in your house, how do you want to feel when you're in that room? So we kind of explored this idea of um, kind of these power spaces, like rooms in your house that you would go to recharge or a quiet place. Maybe it's a room where you hang out with your kids and there's no electronics. So everything kind of lends itself to being present. Um, <clears throat> or you know, a home gym that's infused with the, sm- the smell of peppermint because it makes you not want to eat, like, you know, stuff yeah. like that. But yeah. just creating spaces that were unique for people. Um, so I think that that's more of my passion is kind of giving people a feeling um, and and having them connect to their space. I love design in general, but it's not so much pick something out of a magazine and I want to find it for you. Yeah. You know, it's kind of going through that process with the owner and seeing what they want their space to turn into. Right. Yeah. Getting to know them and then helping them with that. And I can also see how you know, staging a home could easily lead to that because... I don't know about you, but I've been into, you know, model homes before and, and people literally want exactly that. Mm-hmm. If they like a design, they, they want that. And I think that's, so. um, that's the biggest thing when you're staging a home is they will tell you it's not, it's not necessarily showing how the room can be used. It's just creating a feeling. Yeah. So if you want a space to feel cozy, you can translate that and whoever walks in is going to feel, feel what you put into that room. Yeah. Yeah. Now, a majority of your clients, do they also use design services for, for when you're selling a home? Or It's interesting because I feel you would think that the two go hand in hand, mm-hmm. but for some reason, my real estate has remained pretty separate from my design. I would say 90% of my design referrals are from other realtors. Um, and I think what happens there is, especially with like the staging consultations, they have a hard time maybe relaying to their seller what's wrong with the property. Um, so they're using me to kind of be that voice. And I think given that I'm a realtor and I know what else is available, it's easy for me to translate that and take the pressure off of them. They don't have to worry about hurting their feelings or, you know, it's very hard to tell somebody, well, this is beautiful. It's 30 years dated and it's not going to sell. Um, and of course I don't say it in those words either, but (laughs) I think it's, it's worked out to where, of course, if my seller wants me to do light staging or something to that extent, I would I would do that. But for whatever reason, the two have kind of remained separate, which I prefer because um, it's almost like I'm a voice for the realtors on that end, and then I can act as a realtor. Of course, I always give my clients um, advice on that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, that's really how you've branded yourself too. If mm-hmm. you go to your website or if even just speaking with you, um, you know, it is create luck, but it is three separate components. You have realty, you have design, and then you have the lifestyle, which mm-hmm. we'll also dive into um, as well. Talk about your branding really quick. I, you know, you brought in, well, I'll, I'll wait off on this, yes. on this one, one piece, but your, your branding is so unique and it's so not Las Vegas, right? It's, it's, it's got 
such a different look. Um, how did you brand yourself? What was that process? So I think when I moved here, um, I did what everybody does or every realtor does. You join a company and they give you stock business cards. They give you a prefab website. You just kind of plug and play and you get started. Um, but again, I've always just been, I've been into pretty things and design and I've always wanted, um, I don't know. I always just had a different vision for my website and I wanted it to reflect me. Um, I sold my now partner, um, Lacey, who I do the magazine with, which we'll talk about later. Um, I sold her and her husband a house. And that was one of the things that came up in conversation was that she does graphic design. So we had a meeting and I said, I, I really want a brand that's different. And that was the first thing she said is Las Vegas branding is so cheesy and it's hard to not make a play on the Vegas thing. Um, so we pulled a lot of inspiration from everywhere but Vegas, really. Um, and I think it's, I think I'm finding a lot in conversations with people that that's the first thing that comes up is my website or my branding. And I'm just curious why more people aren't taking the time to do that. And I think, you know, when you're looking at the cost of running a business, it seems like the first impression and the first thing people are always going to see. And, you know, I get a lot of feedback from regarding my website from buyers and sellers and potential clients. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think for me, it was just, it was imperative that that's, that by the time somebody called me, they already knew what I was about. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted it to feel very personal. So I wanted my bio to be like, I'm speaking to them. I don't want, you know, all my accolades and every award I've won. And I feel like sometimes as professionals, we get caught up in trying to prove that stuff. Um, but sometimes people just want to relate to us on a human level and they want to know that I have two dogs that I rescued and two kids that drive me crazy and a husband. And, you know, sometimes I think those are the reasons people hire you because they relate to some aspect of your life that, you know, if you're not giving them access to that, they wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I can't emphasize enough the importance of branding Yeah, and, and doing exactly what you say. So when people feel like they already know you and they have not ever mm -hmm. met you, yeah, you know, and so. rebranding. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, just as my company evolves and I constantly every year do a check-in with my website. Like, does this still ring true? Does that still feel authentic? Am I in a different place than I was? Do I want to add something to my bio? You know, do the images even feel, you know, and I, I'm seeing so much with Instagram and social media, um, how people's, people's Instagram grids are just art. You know, I mean, people are pulling stock images in certain colors and there's a flow. And I mean, that could be a full-time job in and of itself, but it is interesting and it's fun to be able to play with stuff like that because I think you can easily rebrand yourself all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it kind of keeps people, keeps people guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Now you have everything set up online mm -hmm. and how do people find you? Like, let's say they don't know your name, but, um, how, how are they finding you? Are they finding you on Instagram? Are they finding you, uh, you know, in, in what way? I would say, yeah, I would say probably via social media, mm -hmm. um, or just word of mouth referral. I would say the real estate is almost 90% word of mouth referral. And that's because I just don't do a lot of advertising for that. Um, I think when I moved out here, I was lucky enough to get thrown into kind of the, the short sale process and representing my husband's company. So I never put the systems in place. I never had a database. I never had mailers and that kind of stuff. Um, so just being a creature of habit, you know, as my career progressed, I never really went back and relearned all of those things. Um, so I do, you know, I try to service my clients the very best I can in hopes that, you know, there's a referral or something that comes from that. 
But I would say for my design business, 90% of that is probably social media and just Mm -hmm. word of mouth and connections with other realtors. And I think that's what made the transition from real estate to design so seamless was already having that group of people that knew me professionally and knew what kind of work I did in real estate. Um, And then, I mean, and I really can't thank them enough because for realtors to let another realtor advise their client on anything, even though it has nothing to do with real estate, I mean, that's a huge that's a huge risk on their part to send Mm -hmm. me to their client's house to talk about design, you know? Um, so I appreciate obviously all those opportunities, but yeah, it's been interesting to me how, how big social media is, um, and how big of a role it does play in that because you wouldn't think, I mean, I look at people's pages and sometimes I wonder, Oh, does my page even say what I do? You know, cause I, I'm not one of those that's, Oh, here's a house I just listed. And I try to keep it pretty, pretty personal. Um, but apparently it comes through cause yeah. Yeah. And now you have a whole other component. That's the lifestyle component. Mm -hmm. When did this come about or, and even how? So my partner, Lacey, uh, that I do the magazine with was the one who rebranded my website and I had gotten an office space down at the wholesome lofts. And I've always had this vision of kind of a shared office space, whether it's one room or 10 rooms, but just a place to get creative women together. And even if we're working on different projects, I've always just envisioned this just this like shooting off of ideas and people, you know, like somebody saying one thing that doesn't apply to your business, but all of a sudden that turning into four different thoughts that would apply to your business. Um, so I had reached out to Lacey and I said, you know, I have this office space and I'm just in here by myself. I would love if you just want to like post up two days a week, we can just kind of work in the same room and see what happens. So we started doing that here and there. And then she approached me one day. Um, she had done a magazine in Minnesota, her hometown. And she said, you know, I feel like I feel like you have something here. You have these three components, which is realty design and lifestyle. Have you ever thought about doing a magazine? No, I have not. (laughs) But if you want to create one, let's do it. So we kind of talked about it. And I think initially I sold myself on the idea um, because I looked at it as a great write-off. Worst case, we print a bunch of copies. Nobody reads it. I can write it off. It's branding. Um, I felt like the magazine content that we were coming up with was extremely consistent with what I was putting out there. Um, and it's, you know, I think initially it started as a real estate magazine with a little bit of design and a little bit of lifestyle. And I think over the past year, it's really, it's really gone more in a lifestyle direction. And I credit all of that just to the Las Vegas vibe and what's going on. And there are just so many people to collaborate with so many cool businesses coming out. And so to be able to kind of showcase and spotlight all of those local businesses. It's like, there's not enough pages in the magazine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how the lifestyle came in. I've always loved fashion and beauty and that kind of stuff. Um, but I've always felt really at home here in Las Vegas. And so I think creating a local magazine that spoke to that, that vibe, um, you know, most of the magazines that are out, you know, there's luxury magazine, there's Vegas seven, they're very industry specific or targeted to a certain market. And I really wanted this magazine to be kind of the catch all for all of that. Okay. Yeah. What's the name of your magazine? It's a magazine. So it's a realty design and lifestyle magazine. We call it a magazine for short. Yeah. I like it because as you mentioned, lots of times you take on a project and when you, what you think is going to happen isn't what eventually happens, right? Right. The name is fantastic because you can make changes, you know, based on the market, based on whatever locals are up to or whatever type of information you want to share. Right. You know, so, and this is just a beautiful magazine. 
a magazine. So um, we'll definitely put a link in the show notes about about that. Yeah. And what does Lacey do? So she, you work together now in the wholesome yeah. locks. So locks. she, um, so she does all of the graphics and layouts. And so that's kind of her background. Um, okay. she does web design, she does rebranding of businesses. Um, so anything in that magazine that's pretty is all credit to her. Um, I do a lot of the content writing and of course we collaborate on content in general. Um, but my passion has always been writing and hers is just making things beyond beautiful. And I think the look is very clean. Um, and I have nothing to do with that. That's all. Yeah, it's beautiful. Now you're out of the wholesome lofts. Tell Mm -hmm. me about the wholesome lofts and why that's such a special place in Las Vegas. Okay. So I'm trying to think, I think it was, I had met, I took an appointment with Rachel and them. So Rachel was, uh, which Rachel Wenman has been on the show. Oh, perfect. So I'll put a link. Yes. Okay. To, to her podcast. So her and Jared uh, were my marketing team. Mm-hmm. And so I met them at the Glenn Group, who has their office out of the Wholesome Lofts building. And I walked by my first office there, and it was completely empty, and it had this big wood wall. And I walked by, and I said, okay, I have to have it. I don't know why. So I went home, and I told my husband, I said, I think I have to have this office space. Well, what would you do? And I said, well, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure if I get it, something will happen. Yeah. <laughs> and so I took the plunge on my first office space there. And within, gosh, two days, I got a call from TLC Network saying that they wanted to do a real estate show. Um, they needed they needed people for an episode. Um, and they needed a space to film. Well, I just got an office. <laughs> and I had just sold a home to Lacey, my now partner. And she has the biggest hair that you've ever seen. And her and her husband are just ultra creative types. So I said, oh, I think they'll be perfect for it. Um, so of course I called my husband right away. Like, see, I told you if I got an office, things would happen. Yeah. Um, but I think it, I think me getting that office was just kind of reaffirming to myself that I was taking it to the next level. And for me, it's always been hard to commit to, you know, rent and you know you never know how your business is going to do and I think that was the first time that I said yes to myself and to making that commitment and I instantly saw how that came back tenfold Um, I'm now in a office that's triple the size there Um, it's still just me I have a couple of office spaces out of there that people work out of Um, but it's just been a great place everybody in there is doing something in a creative industry and so the vibe is just amazing people pop in constantly and I feel like just being in a place like that it's downtown it's kind of the hub it's right next to the world market design center um just keeps me energized and keeps me kind of with my finger on the pulse yeah and it's such a unique space Mm -hmm. and it's just one of those those places in Vegas that isn't like other places and it matches your brand yes yeah you walk in there and it, it it all feels as it should be. Exactly. And tell me about uh, Great Circles. Do you also do Great Circles out of your... Oh, yeah. So the Create Lux Circle. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm actually in the process of revamping that a little bit. I started it as um, kind of a weekly meeting. So we held it every Tuesday night, and it was a group of women, and we would get together and... um, Gosh, how do I put it? The first session was kind of a breakthrough session. So we all came together, and you know, I think as women, we have a lot of the same struggles, and it was interesting to see... You know, we had all of these different women that came together and they all told their story and the stories were so different, but all of the common denominators were kind of the same and the same things kept coming up. So after the initial session, which never started out as um, a create luck circle, it started out as, Hey, I found this really great chick. She does guided meditation. Let's all get together and we'll just kind of talk. Um, so the goal was to get people together to do a guided meditation 
Um, after kind of hearing everybody's stories, I came up with this format um, just based on the common denominators, came up with kind of these talking points of um, like, what was the first one we talked about? Like the imposter syndrome, you know, and I, I, I have yet to talk to a woman who hasn't felt like she's an imposter and she's going to be caught at some point. Right. So we came up with these talking points and then we would get together every week and meet and talk about kind of whatever was on the agenda. We would do a 30 minute guided meditation and then we would have open sharing, which, um, was very therapeutic for everybody. But I think there was an element of, um, accountability that we all needed. We all needed to show up week after week and say, okay, last week I said I was serious about this or I was going to do this. Um, and I think, I think it worked. And I think we all came in there with something that we wanted to manifest. And I think having, having a support system, but beyond that, having a group of women that are also pushing for your dreams, it's almost like throwing that much more energy at it. Mm -hmm. So not only are you speaking it, but now you have, you know, 10 to 15 other women that are like, yeah, no, I believe in that for you. Like that's going to happen. And I mean, we got a chick pregnant, like (laughs) this this woman came in, she had infertility issues. She had been trying forever. Um, she ended up getting pregnant within the first month, which we don't take credit for at all. But I think it's stuff like that. It's, you know, it's just having that support. And one of the things that she said, she said, it's so nice to have people to talk to outside of my group because you have your friends and, you know, we make friends based on where we're at in our life or it's convenient or, you know, maybe they're our husband's friends. And, you know, so I think it's, it's nice to have kind of unbiased feedback, but to also feel that unconditional support from people that don't have to support you, right. They don't know you, they don't have any tie to, to your life really outside of that. Um, I noticed probably within the past like month or two that it was getting hard now that everybody's manifesting and doing what they came to do, it's hard to get people together, um, especially every Tuesday night. So going into the new year, I've come up with kind of a four-part series, um, which will start with a January kickoff, which will include vision boards and kind of goal setting. And then it'll be these kind of seasonal check-ins, um, which I think is a little bit more effective. There's still the accountability factor. And I think there will still be regular check-ins between the girls, but I think it's probably a better way to reach more people and to be a little bit more effective. Um, sometimes with the weekly groups, it can, you know, can turn a little bit into a gossip fest. Yeah. 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 And you know, uh, that's, that's interesting because, um, first of all, you have a choice, right? In the, in that group, you have a choice to one, go there and be vulnerable and share and, and manifest and share what your dreams are as re- as ridiculous or amazing as they might be. Right. And then you also have a choice to support one another. And I think that, um, you know, when you talk about women empowerment or if you talk about supporting other women, there is a negative connotation about that, how women can also bring each other down. Mm-hmm. They can use that same energy and, um, and, and, uh, you know, be negative towards one another. And it's, I'm intrigued by what's happening with you because you do, you have to keep changing. You have to keep growing, not only as a person, but with groups like that, you know, how are you going to evolve and looking, you know, three months, five months ahead, you know, what are your goals? What are your aspirations? People are changing all the time Mm -hmm. and it's good that you're, you're mixing things up a little bit, I think. And I have a question for you. I don't mean to, I don't mean to, Oh, I like this, but, um, I mean, have you, have you dealt with that? And I, I hear so many people talking about, um, you know, women 
women holding each other down or, um, you know, jealousy and negativity. And personally, I haven't felt that. And I don't know if I'm just naive to it, but have you experienced that? I will say, so I worked in tech for 20 years and, um, it's hard for me to answer a question like that because I was not around a lot of women. Okay. I've, in fact, most of my careers, I've been mostly around men and not to say that there weren't men who weren't supportive of me either. Right. But I think that there are certain, uh, traits or characteristics that, the result is bringing each other down. Mm-hmm. It's gossip. It's um, being negative, right? right? It's it's those types of habits or or um, you know things that you do on a daily basis, and the result is I'm not going to be supportive. Right. And it kind of goes back to choice, right? Mm-hmm. And surrounding yourself with people and being smart about that that are going to uh, support you, yeah. that are in line with your vision or whatever it is that makes you tick in this life, yeah. right? And remember, you have a choice to find those people. I mean, you're, we're talking about your story today, and you did that when you moved to Las Vegas, right. and I hear it all the time. Right. And it's you, you can make a choice to do that or not. And it's, I went to, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Wanderlust, the yoga festival, but I went yeah. two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Um, and we, they do little talks and seminars. And one of the things that came up was empathy. And I've always thought of empathy as feeling sorry for somebody or being able to relate to somebody's troubles um, and feeling it on their behalf. And the keynote speaker said, what if, what if we flip that? And what if we just felt empathy for other people's joy? What if as women, we looked at other women's success and actually felt that because now you're putting all of this energy behind success, right? And I just thought it was such a powerful thing because I think as women, even when we're supporting each other, there is a part of us, and I still struggle with this, that feels jealous when somebody gets somewhere you want to be, right? But what if we shifted that energy? Um, You know, and I think I like to always come from a place of abundance and think that there is enough for everybody, but... um, but you know, it is hard when people are doing things that you want to be doing. And I think we're all, um, I, I mean, the women I surround myself with, we're all going after big things. And so it's been interesting this past year to just kind of challenge myself to do that because sometimes your first instinct is, oh, but I want that. Like, even though I'm happy for you, uh-huh. why didn't I get that? Um, and I think when you kind of shift your thinking to, wow, I could feel that for you, right? I can actually empathize with your feelings of success. And now I feel what that feels like. And that's probably going to come to me in a different way. Right. Yeah. How do you go through that? So, and and I'll say that about myself too. You get that, that uh, your first instinct or your first emotion is jealousy, Mm -hmm. right? Or it could be you're envious. How do you personally manage that? I think one of the things that really changed the game for me was instantly celebrating that person's success and whether it's a fake it till you make it kind of thing I think being outwardly happy for people and just being complimentary like there are times when I really am happy for people and I just don't take the time to let them know but something as simple as you know sending flowers with a card hey I heard you got this I'm so excited for you Um, to me those acts and actually saying the words are what kind of change those little triggers for you. Um, and I think it's kind of relearning how to, you know, how to immediately respond to those things. Um, but I think for me, that's, that's the biggest thing is just tell women they're beautiful, tell them that they're doing a great job. You know, even if they're not talking about a success, like 
text them routinely and let them know that you're inspired by them. Because I think the more we lift other people up, the more we feel that too. And, you know, and then you'll find that it, it does start coming from other places and then you'll feel that support too. Right. Yeah. And being genuine about it, right? Mm-hmm. Finding that space within yourself to get past those initial emotions or whatever, whatever might be going on and being genuine about that. Right. You know, and I always find too, I don't, I don't know if, if this is something you experience where if I feel like that feeling of jealousy is hanging around for a while, Mm -hmm. to me, it's time to look at myself Mm -hmm. and kind of say, you know, what's going on? Why am I feeling this way? And what can I do? What's missing in my own life? What do you know, what opportunities may I be missing out on? And and why am I feeling that way? And normally that's exactly it, right? Right. And I think one of the best things to do is to verbalize that to that person because I think it instantly takes the strain off of the relationship. But I actually had a girlfriend um, and she started working out and it was like group fitness classes. She started making all these new friends. And so a couple of the girls that were in her class were also mutual friends. So we were up at the cabin one weekend and they're talking about working out and this and that. And I just felt this overwhelming, like, ugh, you know? And so when I was driving back home, she sent me a text. She's like, Hey, you seemed a little off this week. And I said, you know, I'm, I have to be honest. Like, I don't know if it's jealousy because of like these new friendships or if I'm jealous because your body's getting hotter. Like, I don't know what it is, Yeah. but just talking through it with her, um, I think took the pressure off and then immediately got rid of that awkwardness around it. And then after we got off the phone, I really was able to think about why do I feel Should I be working out more? Am I, am I sad because I don't have female friendships inside the gym? Like, you know, I really had to explore it. Um, and then the next time we went up to the cabin, her and I were doing workouts together and it was like all problem solved, but you know, it took me kind of figuring out what that was. And I think Sometimes it's best to walk through that process with the person and let them tell you too, because a lot of times, you know. Yeah. And hey, you know, your your body isn't going to change or you're not going to get in better shape when you continue to, to sit around, mm-hmm. right? You, you have to put in the work. Right. And that's another thing about that jealousy emotion too. If you really look at whatever that person's doing that's making you feel that way, it doesn't, it doesn't just happen for them. Right. I mean, for some people it might in certain, you know, certain right. circumstances, but it takes work Mm -hmm. and you have to put that in to get that result of course and sometimes us feeling jealousy is just us acknowledging that we may not be putting in that same work and not wanting to deal with that right yes so absolutely yeah so this you know we we've dove into women empowerment Mm -hmm. in general and i know that this is a topic that's um that you're passionate about yes and this is something that I, i you know you just about your personal story and how you're into fashion and and um uh your your group and your magazine and, um, you know, what really, I'm interested to hear what, what took you down that path to bring in a group of women and to really surround yourself with this group? What were you, were you missing something in your life or what made you really spearhead that? You know, I was kind of thinking about this the other day and I, I think I've been blessed in that I've always had such close female friendships And I think for me, it's always been this huge safety net. Um, And especially, especially before you find a spouse or have any real stability in your life, it seems like your circle of friends, um, they're kind of the people that catch you if you fall, but that you can run all of your craziness by. And I think that women are especially good at telling each other that they're not crazy, which I love. I think a lot of us will just root each other on until it doesn't make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes we need that. It's like that unconditional love with like no strings attached. 
Um, I think, I think Vegas, especially it can be hard to make friends. I think I had, when I was in LA, I always had like two or three really close friends. Um, but you know, you have different, different friends for different times in your life. You have your high school friends, you have your college friends. Um, moving to Vegas was the first time that I had to make friends and it wasn't convenient. You know, when you're in high school, you make friends because you need people to sit with at lunch mm-hmm. and you see them every day. And so there's that infrastructure that's built in. When I moved to Vegas, it was the first time I had to schedule time for friends too. Um, I had just had my daughter and luckily a lot of our friends were couples that my husband and I had kind of befriended together. Um, but I remember, you know, coming into contact with like one or two people they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy. It's like, you know, we're all busy. Like you have to make time for female friendships. You have to set aside time. And if I'm going to invest time in, you know, a three hour brunch, I would hope you would do the same. And I think it was, it was kind of in having to schedule out that time that you realize the kind of friends that you want and how you want to feel after those interactions. Um, and again, I've been blessed in that I haven't had to sever any relationships. I mean, everything's been relatively positive, but I come into contact with a lot of women that maybe don't have that. And to me, it's like, how can we fix that? Like there are all of these great women out there. Why are you not experiencing that? And I would say, I hear that a lot from women. Like I just haven't found women that support me or all my friends are jealous. And, you know, I would just ask people to explore that. Why is that? You know, what are, what's the disconnect there? Um, and I, I want to give people kind of a space to challenge that. Like if you don't have girlfriends, come hang out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I want to show people that female friendships are going to be what carries you through mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And I think um, there's just a level of um, of trust. And I think having a group that you know you can trust makes everything else in life easier. It makes all of the decision-making, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and... Um you know, you talk about moving and how, uh, how you had to go find friends. Mm-hmm. But I think that even as adults, you, you kind of have to do that regardless if you move to a new city or not, mm-hmm. right? You have your high school friends, you might have some college friends and life changes, circumstances changes, change. Um, and sometimes, you know, the friends that you had a couple years ago just aren't meshing with what's happening in your life now. Right. And you really have to go seek that out. And I will tell you that's yeah. something that I've learned. Um, after I had my daughter and I was, um, I had been out here, what, probably going on two years and things were just getting crazy for me. Um, I ended up going to see a therapist and one of the things he said is you can't put 10 pounds of blank in a five pound bag. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And he says, you have all these different categories. You have your friends, you have your relationship, you have extended family, you have work, you have all of these things that are constantly tugging at you, right? And every every person I know has all of those things. So there's not one of us that's like, oh, I just have to wake up and focus on this today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what he said is it's perfectly fine at any point in your life to decide that you only want to focus on one. And he said, and you should have the friends um, that you can call and say, Hey, you know what? My relationship needs work this month. I don't have time for girls night, but I'll reconnect with you. Um, same thing goes for, Hey, you know, my kid just started soccer and I committed to every night. You shouldn't feel bad for not making time and you should be able to pick up where you left off, but there should be kind of those conversations happening between women because I think women try to do so much that sometimes maintaining friendships ends up becoming a bigger stress than it should. Yeah. Right. It should be light. It should be easy. We should be getting together to just catch up and, you know, root each other on. And sometimes that's just one text a week. It doesn't have to be 
a huge, a huge burden on time. Um, but I just thought it was something interesting for me to think about was find people that you can just say that to, you know, Hey, I need your support on this, but I also don't have time to talk about it for an hour every day. So Mm -hmm. isn't that just accountability? Yeah. You don't think of it in that way. Um, you know, at first, when you think of accountability, you don't think of that. But yeah, it's it's completely okay. If you can't do something, it's better to say something. Right. And and then you can be accountable to your word. Right. Right. How do you prioritize your life? You you do. You have so much going on. Um, you you place a lot of focus on your friends, your friendships, mm-hmm. and you also have a family. Yeah. So what do you do to make your life as purposeful as possible? I think what I have been doing is putting myself on the back burner. I think this is the first year that I've really had to reconnect with myself. Um, and I think, you know, I like to blame my kids for that, <laughs> but I think, I think you do, you get caught up in kind of just doing for everybody else. And this is the first year that I've, I've really allowed myself to take time for myself. Um, in the past year I started doing kind of these guided meditations where I would carve out an hour every Wednesday and I would just go and sit And to me, it was like, even if I couldn't quiet my mind, that was an hour that was mine where my phone was off and it was about me. Um, And it was the first time in this past year, I think with the Create Lux Circles, that I even asked my husband, hey, this is important to me. Can you come home early every Tuesday night so I can do this? And for so long before that, I never asked. And so I would carry this resentment with me of, well, he does this, this, and this, and I'm always having to like squeeze in time for this. But then one day I woke up and realized, Oh, I never actually asked. What if I asked him to help out? And, you know, the minute I asked him to, oh, sure, yeah, if you want to do two days a week, let me know. I'll pick them up. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so for me, it's this has been the first time that I've asked for help. And it's it's been amazing to see how how responsive people are. People want you to take time for you, right? Like when you're a better version of yourself, everybody benefits. But I think especially as women, and I'm I'm sure the same goes for men, but I see it a lot more with my female friends. um, It's hard to not feel selfish, right? And I think when you're prioritizing, that's the biggest thing is you have to make time for yourself and all of the other stuff falls into place. Um, I feel feel like one of the easiest ways to prioritize is probably to make a list, and I did this with a life coach, of just your core values. So what are the things that are of utmost importance to you, non-negotiable? Pick three to five things, and then every time you're asked to do something in addition to what is already on your schedule, really think about does this fit into or serve my core values? So if my core value is connection and somebody wants to have lunch and introduce me to somebody and that for whatever reason feels like it's gonna be a great connection, sure, I have time for it. Um, If you know, if that doesn't make sense, learning to say no, (laughs) which I'm still, still learning how to do, but that's a difficult one. Yeah. Yeah. So what challenges you? What's your biggest challenge off the top of your head? I think exactly that. I think delegating, um, because delegating to me is asking for help, right? So asking for help and saying no. And I think, um, I think as we kind of advance in our careers, there's, this want to just be generally accepted and liked. I don't want to burn bridges. I don't want anybody to have a bad taste in their mouth. And so sometimes saying no to opportunities, um, you know, there's a fear that that may not, that may give somebody an impression of me that, you know, is inconsistent with what I want. Um, But I, I think we all have to figure that out, right? Is we all want people to like us 
but to what extent and what are we kind of giving up? It's like, what's that happy median of being likable? And I don't want to go directly into how to fix that. But one of the things that Rachel and I had talked about in the past was um, my inability to say no. And she said, you know, there are different ways to say no. If you can't just say no, period, if that doesn't sound right, come up with a different way. I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And she's like, okay, if somebody offers you something, there are 10 different ways to respond. You can say no, period. You can say no, comma, thank you, period. No, comma, thank you still sounds short to me and not not enough, right? Mm -hmm. So she's like, so write a script, write your no script, which is how do you want to say no to people that feels authentic to you and expresses that you still care about that person. You still want to be in their life, but you don't have time or, you know, and that's exactly what she said is there's a, there's a right way to say no, figure out what that is for you because for every, every person it's different. And I know 20 people who could send back an email that just says, no, I don't have time. And that's enough for them. But if that doesn't feel okay for me, just coming up with a different way to say it that does feel, you know. Yeah. Can you think of a time where you've said no to somebody and they were offended or it, it, um, you know, harmed a relationship or anything like that? No. And that's, I think that's the funniest thing. Yeah. And especially when you're honest with people. Right. And I always think about this too. If I, if I ask somebody to do something, Mm -hmm. I would rather them say no than say yes. And, and then you know, it'd be a challenge. Well, and that's when you ask that question, that's exactly what I was thinking. The flip side is while I haven't said no to anybody, I have overcommitted and underdelivered. And there's nothing worse than feeling like you agreed to do something and you just half-assed it, right? Like, I'm going to give you 50% because I didn't have the courage to say no. And to me, um, I think as I get older, I'm, I'm finding that I'm not willing to make that sacrifice anymore because I feel, I feel terrible. It's so much easier to say no than it is to deal with the fact that maybe somebody wasn't happy with what I provided. Right. I think this also gets tied in with selfishness. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned this earlier where, you know, you don't, you, you struggle with uh, being selfish as a person. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, my opinion of that is when you take care of yourself, there's nothing selfish about that. It's just like you would take care of your kids or you would take care of Lacey, your work partner, right? Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Well, and who's, and who's telling us not to take that time? That's mm-hmm. what was interesting when I asked my husband to cover with the kids. It's like nobody ever told me not to take time for myself, right? At some point I just decided that I wasn't worthy of that time or it could be better spent. But nobody ever told me, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what's interesting is while it feels selfish, you know, is it? where does that come from? Yeah, right? it is. Yeah. And I struggle with that too. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely put myself on the, on the back burner sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it just happens. Uh, what's your definition of leadership? I think leadership to me, um, and this has been just such a big word for me this year is just accountability. Um, I, j- I went to a restaurant with my husband a couple of months back and, um, the waitress was very nice. She brought out the wrong drinks to start. So we kind of, you know, had her bring out fresh drinks. She came out with those drinks. The food was late. But every time she came out, she had an excuse, right? And it was, oh, so-and-so didn't put this on the ticket or so-and-so did that. And my husband said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, no one really cares if the food sucks. And I was like, hmm, that's a good point. Because normally I give, you know, I like to hear excuses. I'm like, sure, what happened? Tell me mm-hmm. the story, right? And he's like, at the end of the day, like, be a leader, take accountability. Like, there's nothing better than writing someone an email and saying, hey, I'm sorry that this didn't work out for you. 
totally my fault. I'm responsible. And I think it's, that's kind of what separates the leaders is that ability to step up and take the brunt of all of that. Um, and to be accountable with no excuses. And I think my husband probably thinks more like that because he was in the Navy. And I know that's, he says, there's, there's only one of two responses. It's like, yes, or like, no, or, you know, no excuse, sir. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it is true. It's like people don't want to hear excuses or explanations. And so I think when you're thinking of leaders, to me, that's people that are willing to to stand up for that. It's integrity, right? Because you want to do right by people. Um, I think also the ability to take risk, right? Because how many people wake up every morning and want to do something and just don't take the risk? and then end up going to work for somebody who took the same the risk that they didn't want to take, right? Mm-hmm. And I think um, I hate talking about this because I feel like I do, you know, I do have a safety net. I have a partner. I have somebody I can fall back on. And a lot of people don't have that. You know, you talk to a single mom who's paycheck to paycheck who doesn't have the opportunity to, you know, follow her passions and try this one week and try that another week. And so I'm very sensitive to that and I try not to generalize. But I do think that leadership to me is kind of that ability to just not only take the risk, but to believe that that's going to happen for you because not everybody sees things like that. And I think if you look at leaders, normally they're the people who thought something realized it was crazy, but then still push themselves into thinking that it was attainable. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the difference there is that it is crazy, but still going after it. And it seems to work out more often than not. Um, and then I think compassion, right? I don't think you can lead without truly feeling compassion for other people. Um, and I would never want to lead, you know, I would never want to dictate. Like, I would always want there to be collaboration. And um, for me, leaders are people that are compassionate and are really serving the people that work for them, too. Yeah. Right? You're the voice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what motivates you? What motivates Or who? Me? Who or what? I feel like I've been so inspired just by women in Vegas. It's such a weird, like, how would you explain it? Because I'm sure you're, you're experiencing the same thing too. And I'm like, when did this shift happen? Like, am I just now mature enough to recognize it? Am I just in the right place at the right time? But I don't remember there being this kind of tribe of women you know, in LA, or maybe I just was looking in the wrong places. But I feel like what's happening in Las Vegas right now um, just lends itself to empowering women. And you see these groups of people coming together and supporting each other. And so I think that's what I'm most inspired by right now is just this energy in Vegas and this kind of like uprising of all of these women. Um, and I think it's, it's cool to watch all of these self starters. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of Jessica Galindo. I don't know if you know her work. She owns leather couture. Okay. Um, so she does all custom one of a kind handmade leather bags and, um, she does purses and earrings and all sorts of accessories. She literally makes everyone by hand from scratch in her studio. She started, um, in the container park as part of the downtown project. Mm -hmm. Um, and then now has a huge space up in downtown Summerlin and just watching people like that grow and flourish and their, um, just their like cult-like following of women that are like, yes, I want to do the same thing. Um, I think that's what inspires me. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think that's just happening in Vegas. Right. I feel it. I feel like it's just, you know, women just want to support each mm-hmm. other. And I think also being purposeful about who you surround yourself with. Yeah. 
And I think there's definitely that girl boss movement, right? If Uh you like read Sophia Amorosa's book or there's just so much out there right now. And that's what I was asking myself. Like, is it, is it social media bringing us all together and realizing that we're like-minded on a lot of these things? Or is it me coming of age and being open to these things? Mm -hmm. And I I don't know the answer to that, but I definitely feel like there's a, there's a weird energy surrounding that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And you brought in a book. Yes. You shared a book today in the company of women. Mm-hmm. Speaking of women, tell me about this book. And and um, I've, I visited your office, and I also saw this book at, at your office. So mm-hmm. this is something that means a lot to you. Yes. Tell me about it. Um, I love this book. My mom actually was the one who recommended it to me. She had seen a podcast um, with the author. And basically, the book is a compilation of women's stories. But what's very cool is they're they're entrepreneurs and they're women in leadership roles. And a lot, you know, I think I think the book initially, and this is what the author said, initially it was just to put everybody's story in one place and inspire women. But I think as she was putting together the book, all of these common denominators kept coming up, which is a lot of what I talk about in my Create Luck Circle and a lot of what we've touched on, which is, you know, women are facing these struggles and a lot of them are just internal. It's feeling not good enough. It's, um, you know, not having the time to, to do everything you want to do to not taking care of yourself. And so it's a compilation of women's stories, but I think it focuses a lot on the struggles that we all feel as entrepreneurs or, you know, women in business. And, um, it's just, it's a good way to, to hear these women's stories, but to also see how different their story is from you and how much you still connect with them on some level, because I really do feel like we all connect on some level or another. Yeah, I agree. What's your personal favorite book? Um, One of the first books I read that I think changed me was called Getting Real, and it's by Susan Campbell. Um, My life coach actually told me to read it, and it was the first book that I read that I really... I put it down and I felt changed by it. I've read a lot of books in the past and I've been motivated, but I've never actually put down a book and felt I wanted to change a behavior. Um, getting real is about exactly that. Getting real with yourself and being authentic. And it um, talks a lot about saying no, talks a lot about identifying the things that are important to you. Um, and it just, I guess it kind of shows you how freeing being authentic is can be right. Like we're also afraid to put who we really are out there because we're afraid that people may reject that. Um, but it just talks about having authentic conversations with people that are based around honesty and speaking your mind. And I think so much of, so much of our angst and our worry and anxiety comes from the stuff that we don't say and the stuff that we hold back. And she breaks it down very simply. Like, you know, if you were just honest and always said what you thought, what's the worst that would happen? And it's, oh, I guess I would have real conversations. And I guess if I didn't want to do this, I would end up not doing it. Yeah, <laughs> um, so true. Yeah, and she breaks it down. You know, she has a lot of exercises in there and stuff that kind of break it down for you and help you really, you know, put into, or I guess just prioritize what is important to you and what you want to get real on. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're, you mentioned before your brand is evolving mm-hmm. and it's something you always want to have yes. involved. What are you doing right now to differentiate yourself from from other people I think the magazine um, has been huge. I think the magazine for me has been a big collaboration piece. When we set out to do it, it was just a passion project and there was never the intent to you know, circulate it everywhere and make a huge profit on it. For me, it was just a way to get across the table from people like you and talk about cool stuff. Um, and so I think, I think the brand is evolving in 
a very organic way. I don't feel like I'm pushing any one of my businesses. I think that the magazine at this point in time is kind of lending itself to the design and the real estate, but it's also opening up doors to so many other things and people that I would have never interacted with before. Um, And I think in terms of big changes to my brand, I just see lifestyle becoming a bigger part of that. Um, My website as it is right now is very business related. I would love to... um, well, I'm actually in the process of relaunching a new website that's actually just dannyball.com that would be a lot more personal and that would be a lot more writing and a lot more introspecting because um, I'd like to put more of that out there. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love about the magazine, it's something you never even dreamed of that you'd ever do. Right. And now look where it's taking you. I know. And it's like, it's the one thing, you know, I've always had a hard time with self-promotion and it's, it's hard for me to find a way to do it that feels authentic. And I think the magazine is my first experience with being able to talk about something and feel so excited about it that that translates and sells it without me having to self-promote. Um, and I think, I think that's what I love about it is like, I, I'm so proud of it just because it's like a work of art, not because there's any end game, which makes it very easy to get in front of people and talk about it. Yeah, and it's it's a risk. It's a risk yeah. you're comfortable with. Of course. Right? Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming of in today course. and sharing Thank your you. story. Thank you. This is awesome. Danny's energy and positivity are contagious, and it was a pleasure having her on the show today. Visit createlucklv.com to learn more about Danny. Links to everything mentioned on today's show can be found in the show notes. Thanks as always for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, visit the Leadership Looks Like Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. Leadership Looks Like is a podcast dedicated to leaders everywhere. Our mission is to show that leaders come from all different backgrounds, ages, colors, shapes, and sizes. For more information about our project or to become a contributor, visit leadershiplookslike.org. Sign up for Fresh Start Mondays and get access to free leadership tips delivered to your inbox every Monday. To subscribe, visit leadershipexcursion.co forward slash subscribe. And finally, The Coop, Las Vegas' newest co-working location with a focus on community and collaboration. If you're a small business owner looking for office space and amenities and would like to be located in Summerlin, visit thecoopcowork.com. Until next time, continue to inspire and support one another through effective leadership. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. See you again next week.